You're listening to Fundraising Radio, a podcast about fundraising for early stage startups. The major rule that we follow here is no bullshit on this podcast. No music to relax you, no advertisements of our sponsors. We only talk about fundraising here and nothing else. So let's jump into the episode. And today's a guest speaker. We have Johnny Price, VP of Fundraising at WeFunder. And for those people who don't know what WeFunder is, it is one of the largest equity crowdfunding platforms in the United States. And this episode will talk about equity crowdfunding. How does it work? What kind of legal changes happened in the past couple of years that allowed pretty much every single person in the US invest in any startup at as little as $100 per investment. And we'll also talk about who should actually consider those equity crowdfunding platforms and why. So Johnny, let's kick it off by you giving us some background on yourself and on WeFunder. Yeah, uh, great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Um, uh, Johnny Price, I'm the VP of fundraising at WeFunder uh, from the UK originally, as you may be able to tell from the accent there. Um, I started my career in management consulting. Um, then in uh, 2009, I uh, met an American girl who brought me over to San Francisco from London. Uh, we got married and, and then started working for a nonprofit called Kiva.org. We nice. did crowd, crowdfunded microloans for entrepreneurs around the world. And I came in to, to launch and run our US team. Uh, did that for seven years. And then in early 2018, uh, four years ago, joined the team at WeFunder. Um, was one of the one of the first employees um, uh, and have been here for four years ever since. WeFund is a platform that lets anyone invest in startups they love, not just rich people. Um, so, so normally, as you know, when startups are raising capital, they're raising from accredited investors, VCs, angel investors. Uh, and with WeFunder, you can raise from your customers and community um, from 100% of the population, not just the 8% of the population who's accredited. You can also market market the rounds um, on social media and email on a podcast like this one. Um, so it's a really interesting kind of new way of raising money that, that's kind of much more uh, you know community oriented way of raising money. So that's what uh, we're up to over here at WeFunder. Awesome. That was a very brief and a lovely story, actually. And congrats on moving to all right, you know what, UK jokes aside, not going to go into that direction. Um, so first question here is actually about your official role. So you are the VP of fundraising. What does that mean? What do you do as the VP of fundraising? Yeah, so I lead a team. There's about 15 of us. We fund about 70 people. There's about 15 of us on the fundraising team. Our role is to go and connect with founders, um, meet with founders, um, and um, work with them on... Uh, just kind of, you know, understanding the pros and cons of WeFunder, why why they would use us to raise money versus the other options that they have, um, you know, and and definitely not an either or thing, right? Um, it's not it's not either you go the community round route on WeFunder or you raise from VCs, and we're seeing more and more startups who say, I want to raise most of this round from VCs, but I want to allocate part of the round to my customers and community. So our job is to find founders, um, chat with them, and hopefully persuade them that um, part of every round they should let their customers invest. Um, so it's kind of pretty pretty early in the process, and then we have an account management team that usually my team um, you know partners with um, to do the kind of legal legal filings, financials, mm-hmm. to put together a page, a fundraising strategy. Um, so we're we're kind of pretty early in the founder journey, um, developing relationships with VCs, angels, accelerators as well as lots of conversations with founders themselves. 
you put together, you mentioned uh, the strategy for the fundraising. So you actually do help uh, founders who are onboarded on your platform to fundraise, to actually yeah. fundraise. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Provide a lot of support and, you know, phone calls and um, trying to figure out, okay, what's the, what's the plan here? What's the strategy? We've got some great resources mm -hmm. as well. Lots of case studies now. We've helped over a thousand nice. startups raise capital now. So many examples of what works and what doesn't work. Um, and uh, yeah, just really try to help help founders. You know whether whether they're you know Mercury Bank or Replit, who recently raised five million dollars in a day on WeFunder. Um, for whom that's that's pretty easy. Usually the strategy is just you know send an email to your customers and watch the millions of dollars roll in. Most startups, sadly, it's a little bit more challenging than that. A little bit more of a grind. <laughs> a little bit more hard work. Yeah. And so with them, you know, it's helping them think through. Okay. What, what's the pitch pitch deck going to look like? What's the page look like? Mm -hmm. You know, what are the tactics around, you know, starting with pitching angels and people that are close to you and then increasingly, you know, doing more kind of marketing tactics and outreach. One of, one of the cool things about um, this way of raising money um, is that you can publicly promote the offering, right? Mm -hmm. So you can, you can now run a, a PR campaign around the fundraise. Um, right. And you can, you can, try to get virality going by engaging your your hundreds of investors as they're coming in and getting them to share the rounds with their networks so the law this law regulation crowdfunding is the sec exemption that we use um, and this basically helps um it's just kind of in a few ways like helps make it a little easier for founders to get the word out about the round and mm -hmm. quickly raise money a little bit more easily Sure does. Uh, so before we go in and talk a little bit more about the strategy that founders should use uh, in order to fundraise through equity crowdfunding platforms like WeFunder, quick question. On WeFunder platform, how many companies that start raising money there actually close their round successfully? Yeah, so um, it's a little bit of a complicated answer to that question. So we, we kind of define the, the start of a WeFunder round is when you do the legal paperwork with mm -hmm, the SEC. Right. And basically, you can you can kind of what's called test the waters um, before you do that. Oh, so You can start, start fundraising, like start to pitch people kind of in a private mode. And then if you're getting traction and pickup, then we go ahead and, and file the Form C. Um, and so because of that, it, we're pretty close to 100% of the companies that end up filing the legal paperwork with the SEC. Interesting. Um, it's pretty close to 100% that then go on to, you know, successfully close. Uh, maybe, so one thing with WeFunder, you set a minimum goal and a maximum goal, right? Right, so You might, yeah. might set a maximum goal of 5 million and a minimum of, you know, 2 million. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, when I say 95%, I'm, I'm talking about people that pass the minimum goal, not, not who reach the maximum goal. Right, obviously maximum, not. maximum might be more like, I don't know, um, 30, 40% would be my guess. That's, that's still pretty good, actually. Um, speaking of testing the warriors, that is a very, very interesting subject. And I get quite, that, that, that question is quite frequently asked here on Fundraising Radio. How how do they test the water? How do they know that, you know, uh, the investors will actually put their money where their mouth is because investors saying that they're interested in investing and investors who are actually writing checks are yeah. completely different people. So how, <laughs> how do you know that this, you know, water testing is actually valid? Yeah. So if, if you launch a test in the waters uh, campaign on WeFunder, we actually hold uh, money. We take it out of uh, oh. investors, uh, 
bank accounts, uh, we charge the credit card and we hold it in an escrow account. Um, and so it's a reservation. It's not a binding uh, commitment to invest, but we do take the money. And so in our experience, if you look at the conversion percentages, because, because we take the money, uh, those conversion percentages are very, very high. Yep, that is a good strategy, and it is definitely better than you know just getting a verbal commitment that yeah, totally. I'll, 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 definitely, I'll definitely invest. Yeah, verbal commitment is very. <laughs> it is very pretty much uh, worthless. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. it is flimsy. As you said, <laughs> no, no UK jokes. Moving on, um, let's 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 talk about the strategies that you usually use. So you've mentioned that you know there's kind of this flow of starting with uh, pitching your friends and family, and then angel investors, and then just moving on. So can you tell us a little bit more about how that flow looks like? Where do invest, or where do founders start and why exactly should they start with you know, their friends and family? Yeah, so I think there's a, a question there of kind of how the, the and we, we're using the brand um, Community Round. We recently had a launch of communityround.com uh, website. Uh, and with the website launch, we also kind of rolled out this new nomenclature of running a community round. Um, used used the word equity crowdfunding at the start of the podcast, of which I kind of bristled with with pain at more UK jokes. But um, <laughs> you know, uh, we we it was always called equity crowdfunding. Our CEO wrote a blog post. If you Google Nick Tomarello community round blog, we funder, you'll find it. Really awesome. He's one of the best writers. I. I've ever read, honestly, just in terms of clarity and kind of um, it just inspiring, like moving, powerful words. Uh, I think he's brilliant. And so uh, he, he starts it off by saying, I've always hated the term equity crowdfunding. Mm. Um, and so we really love this repositioning towards running community rounds because crowdfunding, I think basically Kickstarter, right? Equity crowdfunding seems like something you do because real investors won't invest in you. Um, whereas a community round, like raising money from your community seems like something that every startup founder would want to do. <laughs> uh, it's a really powerful example, I think, where changing a couple of words just really elevates um, the, the prestige and, and the credibility and just the aspiration of, of what we're trying to do. But anyway, the point is to answer your question that, you know, there's kind of two, two levels of the sequencing and the plan, right? So the first question is, okay, you're raising a series A, right? How does the community around element of that fit into that? So sometimes founders will raise their whole rounds through WeFunder, right? Um, so for example, if it's a bridge round, right? Mm -hmm. You did a seed, you know, the growth is a little bit slow. You want to get more traction, you know, more growth before you kind of come back to, to institutional investors and command the valuation you're looking for. So you're looking for a bridge, maybe do the whole bridge on WeFunder, right? But if you're doing a chatting to a company yesterday, they're doing a 25 million series A, and they want to raise 20 million from VCs and then 5 million from, from their customers and community, right? And so there, I would say that the standard approach is you get the VC lead, you kind of get the VC kind of checks lined up, but then you allocate, um, in that case, 5 million of the, of the rounds to your community who come in kind of, you know, towards, towards the back end of the process. So Mercury Bank, um, they did a 120 million Series B led by Co2 and Andreessen, and then opened up a $5 million allocation to their customers. So, mm -hmm. so that's, that's how they did it. Um, you can do it the other way around. So you, you can kind of, you know, start, especially if, if you're kind of trying to find that lead investor, right? And maybe the round is, is moving a little bit more slowly because early stage VC is a little colder in 2022 than it was in 2021. 
and you're trying to kind of build up, you know, the, the momentum on the round, break that inertia. Sometimes like starting with the community rounds uh, component of the rounds can help to create leverage, right? Because mm-hmm. it's kind of see investors coming in, like start to create some feeling of pressure and scarcity and FOMO. Um, so you can do it e- either way. But so there's firstly the question of how the community round element fits into the larger round. And then secondly, okay, within the community round, so in that example, 25 million Series A, 5 million for the community. Now, how am I going to launch the WeFunder round and raise that 5 million? And so, yeah, you start in private, right? Um, in, in testing orders in private. And I always talk about concentric circles, right? So you want to start with the people that are closest to you. So maybe maybe you go to you know some angel investors that you have relationships with. We, we have uh, what's called a lead investor within the WeFunder round. Um, the lead investor helps to set the terms of, of the WeFunder round. Um, they are voting for the shares of the individual investors in the SPV. Um, and so lining up that lead investor is a great signal. Ideally, they're putting in 5% of the round. So, you know, the amount they're investing is a signal, who they are is a signal, um, you know, and so all the investors on the page can see who the lead investor is, see why they're investing. Um, and so, you know, it's lining up the lead investor, trying to trying to line up some angel checks early on. And then I would say, you know, I would make a spreadsheet, treat, treat investor management as, you know, funnel management for customers, you know, have a CRM. And you know, put put a couple of hundred names mm-hmm. in a spreadsheet. Like track track when you're emailing them, track if they invested, follow up, try multiple channels, and you're kind of starting there with inner concentric circles, right? People that you're close to, because then when you go to the more outer concentric circles, so then maybe you send an email to all your customers, right? Um, or maybe you kind of put it on social media, LinkedIn, uh, and then kind of once you once you're kind of going going outwards. Once you're building up some momentum on the round in private, usually I say you want to try to target raising a third of your your goal in private before pushing the button and doing the public launch. Uh, and then when you do the public launch, um, a couple of things on on the founder side, that's when you do the press release. That's when you do the kind of you know social media push, uh, you know, and you kind of get all your ducks in a row to create the biggest bang possible. Mm-hmm. But then you also another benefit we haven't talked to so far about WeFunder is you know, we have 300,000 users on the platform that have made an investment that we'll put you in front of, right? And typically those those WeFunder investors account for about a third of the round. Um, and so when you when you kind of push the button, go public, then you get in front of the WeFunder investors as well. So that gives you another boost. Um, so that, that framework of kind of concentric circles, starting with people that are close to you, you're going to have a very, very high batting average on those personalized uh, emails, personalized outreach. And then mm-hmm. over time, kind of going going to people that maybe you don't have as strong of a relationship with, that yeah. for me is the the way to approach a WeFunder WeFunder round. I love that version of the approach. Honestly, I think that's pretty much the golden bullet. And I know of oh, silver bullet. I'm sorry. Uh, I know that if my team hears me saying silver bullet, at least once again they're gonna murder me. But I think that there are very few of them. And you know this approach of creating the CRM and then just taking it pretty much as a full-time job basically and just doing it very yeah. meticulously it's gonna work out there is like 90 all right not 90 percent chance but a very very high percent chance of it working out that's definitely yeah, and, 
Just a couple more resources as well. So we have a podcast at Adventure Capital and there's there's an episode called Hustle Hard with my colleague Justin. So if you Google WeFunder Adventure Capital podcast, Hustle Hard, you'll find that one. That's like an hour and a half long conversation about a bunch of stories and tactics that really goes deep. And then I wrote a blog post called How to Raise a Million Dollars on WeFunder. So if you Google that with with Johnny Price, it's like a 15-step plan for what I do to break it out into more detail. So both of those are pretty good uh, resources if people want to go deeper. Interesting, interesting, interesting stuff. All right, that's perfect. Um, I'll make sure that people don't have to Google and actually include all those show notes. links. Show notes. Exactly. Links show, notes. show notes. Guys. Exactly. You're, you're about to hear that repeated numerous times, and I'm going to repeat it at the end as well. There's there is no escape from this statement, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> nowhere to run. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be all there, so people who have very short memory just check it down there uh it's going to be all included all right so um now let's touch about um something that i found super interesting on our pre-interview call and it's the fact that we founder is actually a b corporation for those people who don't know b corporation is a benefit corporation which means that there's basically a government stamp saying that we founder is good for people we founder is good for community and economy and pretty much everything around them so Johnny, let's talk about that. First of all, how did you manage to get that status? And secondly, did you actually like go for that status specifically, or is just one day uh, your CEO or uh, you know the executive team of uh, WeFunder looked around and then they realized that they should qualify for B Corp just by an accident? Yeah, so there's kind of two two elements of it actually. So WeFunder was incorporated not as a C corporation, but as a public benefit corporation, a Delaware PBC. Um, and so that is how we are legally incorporated. So a C Corp is legally obligated to maximize shareholder value, right? A PBC is legally op- obligated to uphold our charter, our PBC charter. Um, and would love to talk a little more about what that charter means. But so we have the PBC element has kind of legal teeth. That is how we are legally incorporated as a company in the state of Delaware. Um, and then there's also the, the B Corp uh, thing, um, which is basically an accreditation, a badge that uh, this, this company called B Lab uh, does. And so you go through a survey and you fill out a bunch of questions and then uh, it's kind of like an exam and we pass the exam. And so they gave us this kind of B Corp um, uh, label. Um, so we started, we incorporated the PBC and then several years into the journey, we, we got this B Corp label. So we're both a PBC and a B Corp. Um, and yeah, in terms of what our charter is all about, it's a big part of the reason I worked for WeFunder. Previously, I was working for this nonprofit, Kiva.org. Um, you know, so kind of I'm pretty, I would say, mission mission oriented person. I think most of us at, at WeFunder are probably most people that work at startups, sorry. Right? Um, but uh, for me, our mission is kind of on both sides of the marketplace, right? So on the founder side of the marketplace, we basically want to get more capital flowing to founders. We think it's cool when people start companies. It leads to more things in the world, more progress. It's fun. It's you know a rich <laughs> life of learnings and love. And so yeah. we we like startups. Um, yep. and we want to want to give more founders the chance to take their shot. But then not just in aggregate, but also if you disaggregate, right? Like less than three percent of venture dollars last year went to female only founders versus over eighty percent for male only founders. went to black founders, 77% of VC dollars were concentrated in California, New York, and Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. So we believe that a more democratic approach to investing 
letting everyone be an angel investor, not just millionaires and billionaires, um, will lead to a more equitable allocation of capital where we get more capital flow into women of color in states like Tennessee, where I live. Um, so that's kind of on the founder side. And, and then on the investor side, it's, it's pretty simple, right? It's basically like, why should only rich people get to benefit from the wealth that startups are creating? When Uber IPOs, why should it be that only millionaires and accredited investors get to make more money? Uh, why shouldn't it be the case that the drivers that were there on day one uh, get mm -hmm. to become new millionaires? Um, right. And so let's think a big problem in society over the last few decades is that wealth has been you know, concentrated in the hands of a smaller and smaller number of people. And basically our solution to that problem is, okay, for the wealth that's been created by startups and startups are creating explosive wealth, let's try to share some of that wealth around more broadly um, so that the earliest supporters, customers, champions of those startups that are you know, making it big um, get, get to benefit. So that on both the founder side and the investor side, it's kind of what, what our PBC charter is all about. Nice. And yes, it does sound beneficial to the society. So well earned. And by the way, yeah, I'm sorry, people, I said that uh, B Corp status is something that government gives you. I completely forgot that it's actually another corporation that does that. <laughs> but it is uh, quite reliable. So pretty much like a government or maybe even better. Um, on this <laughs> note, let's let's move on and talk about the good thing right before the call to action aka last question of this episode and the good thing being um the exits that happen after raising on WeFunder. so when this um gosh i keep forgetting the, the, the name for it um Rexf, yeah, yeah. Rexf. Rexf was passed. A lot of investors were like, "Yeah, crowdfunding is for those who can't raise from real investors," and it's obviously bullshit. And uh, they were proven wrong numerous times, and no, no one ever says that anymore. But um, let's talk about real numbers here, which is, you know, how many exits do you see happening after uh, companies raise money on WeFunder? So how many of those people who actually invest in those companies early on get to experience that? Uh, Uber IPO type of deal? Yeah, so um, right now, the number of exits we've had, uh, acquisitions, or certainly IPOs, is, is relatively small. So, certainly no kind of Uber, Uber level uh, exits at this point. A couple of reasons for that, I think. One, you know, the law just passed in 2016, right? So it's, it's only five or six years old. Yeah. And the number of companies that we had launching in May was a very, very small number, right? Um, the other thing I'd actually maybe push back a little on, on what you said, like it, in May of 2016, both because the laws were initially very unfriendly for founders, like in, in 2016, we would put a thousand people on your cap table. Now in 2022, we put one SPV on your cap table. So it's a lot more friendly mm -hmm. in 2016. You could only raise 1 million. Now you can raise 5 million, right? So now it, it's a lot more interesting for founders. But in 2016, there was actually an adverse selection, partly also because it was new and no one had ever done it before. Um, now in 2022, you have companies like Mercury, like Rome Research, like Replit, like Levels, um, you know, very, very fast growing, successful venture backed companies who are doing this not because they need the money and don't have any other options, but rather because they, you know, want to let their customers and community invest alongside VCs. Mm -hmm. So I think there's much less adverse selection now. And obviously we've had great companies do WeFunder down the years, um, but there's much less adverse selection now. And so 
the quality of the portfolio and the quality of companies launching, you know, uh, now versus even, you know, a couple of years ago is really, really exciting, which is obviously then, you know, bodes, bodes well for future, future kind of investor returns. But I, I bet you, if you look at the cohort performance, you know, by year of WeFunders Reg CF portfolio, there's going to be a significant increase in 2021 going forward because of the SEC law changes that were rolled out um, uh, around then. Before 2016 as well, we funded, I uh, was, was doing regulation D uh, crowdfunding, um, more like kind of the angel list model. And we right. have a pretty good, like, I think uh, I'm looking at our, we have a page wefunder.com slash results where we try to be transparent oh. with investor returns. And our unrealized net IRR from our Reg B portfolio was 23%. We got into um, Checker, Ginkgo Bioworks, um, Rappi, um, Zenefits, so some some pretty nice companies. We went through YC in 2013, so that helped us get into some pretty nice companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what YC does. That is what YC does. Yeah. Um, on this optimistic note, uh, let's. By the way, one more thing before we jump into the very last question is that uh, the word SPV was dropped here quite a few times for people who don't know what a special purpose vehicle is i'm going to include the link in the description of this episode where i have interviewed the ceo and founder of assure which is the largest syndication uh platform in the entire united states so if you want to learn about spvs how you can actually use them for your own run round even if you're not doing the equity crowdfunding or community round should i say um Thank you. You still can use that stuff and it actually might be quite useful. So yeah, check out the link in the description. And on this note, let's go and touch on to the very last question of today's episode, which is the call to action. So Johnny, what do you want the listener to do as soon as this episode is over? So I'm going to break the cardinal rule of CTAs and give you two versus one. Okay. All right. All right. You know, if you're a founder, um, would would obviously love to to connect if if we can help you raise money right um either again two value props of we fund it one if if you know you your round needs a boost we can help you raise more money more quickly um and then secondly if your round doesn't need a boost you can easily get funded but you really like the idea of letting your customers and community invest then we'd love to chat with you so wefunder.com slash raise you can just go in you know enter some information and, and connect with our team um, or I, I'm always giving out my email. It's Johnny at wefunder.com. <laughs> J O N N Y at wefunder.com. I thought I'm special, Johnny. I thought I'm if special. you've if you've listened to me droning on for this long, then you must be really interested in what we're doing. And you, your reward is <laughs> you get my email address. It's not that much of a reward, but um, that's on the founder side. And then on the investor side, like you know, and anyone can be an investor now for a hundred bucks in yep. a company that they they love on wefunder. So wefunder.com slash explore you can browse through hundreds of startups that are raising um see if one takes your fancy and give it a whirl you know and and try it out um and become an investor in a startup for the first time for 100 bucks in a couple of minutes uh, and then maybe you can help that help that founder maybe you can follow along for the journey um we we never like to frame this as like do this to become a millionaire you know mm-hmm. no, 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 no 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 best in startups you love because it's cool things to make fun. 
dangerous exactly. team is to make while fundraising that's <laughs> but yeah everyone can become an investor really easily um and and we we want to take the number of angel investors in the us or whatever it is today you know a few thousand to like a few million actually over really, the coming year. Now, now i'm very interested what's the number of angel investors here put it in the show notes um let's just do a quick google search and it's actually about three hundred thousand people you were a tiny bit off <laughs> three hundred thousand angel investors yeah actually that's honestly that's a believable number you okay. cannot imagine the amount of people who are just chilling those um angel groups like a high number. they have it seems like a high thousands. number no i'm telling you man that they have thousands of people there and that's it's insane. Um, anyways, on this very optimistic note, now people know that there are 300,000 angel investors out there. So we've got plenty of people to reach out to and raise money from. And, um, and my call to action. WeFunder is going to take that number from 300,000 to Bam. 30 million. So, exactly. Uh, right there. The, the point still holds. <laughs> the point does still hold. Yes, absolutely does. And for everyone listening to this, obviously, all the notes are going to be there. So if you already forgot half of the things that we said here, that's completely fine. I already did as well. That's why I'm taking accurate notes. And you should check them out in the description of the episode. And as usually, have a good day. Thanks, guys.